The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. So uh, President Joe Biden had his meeting with Republicans at the White House on Monday night to talk about the covid relief bill. Joe Biden had proposed a one point nine trillion dollar package. Republicans were allowed to uh, express to Joe Biden why they want a six hundred and eighteen billion dollar package. But it's now being made abundantly clear that Joe Biden and Democrats are hopefully ready to move ahead without Republicans. That's what uh, Joe Biden's press secretary Jen Psaki said earlier this week at a White House press briefing. It's what Joe Biden seems to be communicating. And I hope that it's time to just go and do it, because at this point in time, I don't see the benefit to anybody uh, on in the Democratic Party. And that includes Joe Biden, as well as Democrats in the House and Senate of waiting with the idea that maybe some Republicans might be OK with some kind of completely flaccid and pathetic uh, a compromise between the one point nine trillion and the six hundred and eighteen billion. And at this point, the perspective should be uh, if Republicans realize that the one point nine trillion dollar package and what it contains is popular, even with some of their constituents, it's Republican voters who want the stimulus package too. if some Republicans realize that, then maybe they'll vote for it in the House or vote for it in the Senate. If they don't realize that or realize it but don't care, and every single Republican decides to vote against the $1.9 trillion COVID stimulus package, let them do it at their own peril. And what I mean by that is once their names are on the record as saying, no, I'm against the COVID stimulus package that is popular even with many of my Republican constituents. Well, then it'll be up to Republican voters to decide whether they want to reelect those very same Republicans. And my guess is you will get some Republicans to come along with Joe Biden's plan because they realize that many of their constituents want it. So Joe Biden has been widely criticized for sitting down with Republicans on Monday night and not with Democrats. Uh, some hot takes saying this is a right wing president. He talks to Republicans, but not Democrats. I think that that is very far from what is going on. Uh, I am pleased increasingly that Joe Biden and Democrats aren't budging on the one point nine trillion dollar proposal. Joe Biden had no need to meet with Democrats because Joe Biden and Democrats mostly are on the same page about the one point nine trillion dollar stimulus package. Do the meeting with Republicans because Joe Biden said that he wanted unity. He said he wanted bipartisanship. He said he would work with Republicans and he's trying to. And that olive branch was this meeting on Monday night. But it's time to stop. Uh, when Joe Biden said, if we win these Georgia races, two thousand dollar checks go out immediately. That doesn't mean you negotiate with bad faith actor Republicans into March and hopefully get checks out by the end of March, if not early April. Enough time has gone by. And if Joe Biden and Democrats don't move forward on the one point nine trillion, put it at risk. You know, if Republicans really want to vote against it, let them do it. But if Joe Biden doesn't move forward with this, it is going to be a failure in Joe Biden's column. He was very clear about what he would do and what it would mean to add uh, Senate control for Democrats in addition to Joe Biden taking the White House from Donald Trump. And we will now see if they are going to put their money where their mouths are. Now, I, I think that the calculation to be made, um, there, there's a couple of calculations here when you think about this from a political strategy standpoint. 
Democrats, by not budging on one point nine trillion, are doing a couple of different things. Number one, I hope Democrats and Joe Biden realize that if you meet somewhere in the middle, like imagine that Democrats say, OK, you know what? We want one point nine trillion. Republicans want six hundred and eighteen billion. Let's do one point three trillion or something like that. A ton of Republicans are still going to vote against it, even though it will end up likely passing. And so Republicans will end up getting the benefit of it passing and money getting to their constituents while continuing to be able to virtue signal about the debt and the deficit and spending. Oh, and what not everybody deserves the money and all of this sort of stuff. So the calculation I hope Democrats are making is they know the plan is more popular with the country than the portion of people who voted for Joe Biden. In other words, this is a covid stimulus package that's popular with 60, 65, 70 percent of the country. That's much more than the share that voted for Joe Biden. That means there are millions of Republican voters that like this plan and they want it to pass. If Democrats realize that and they realize even if we negotiate with Republicans, many of them will still vote against it. Let's just move forward. We have the ability to do this via budget reconciliation, assuming all 50 Democrats in the Senate are on board, which is still a bit of a question mark, but is likely. Let's actually put these Republican senators in particular and members of the House in a position of having to vote against something that their constituents want. Let them vote no. Let them say it's bad. Let them then have to go and explain their votes to their constituents. I believe this is a political risk very much worth taking for Joe Biden and Democrats. I think the meeting was a fine move for Joe Biden. He's giving the Republicans an opportunity to show they actually want to help the American people. They present a counter offer that's so pathetic and pitiful that it's humiliating and embarrassing and now put them in the position of actually saying, are you really going to vote for nothing for your constituents? Are you going to try to prevent any money from going out? Because this is the package. So I'm fine with the meeting. I'm fine with not budging. I'm fine with moving forward without Republicans. The question now is, can Joe Biden actually get it done if he can get it done? His early approval on covid and in general is going to persist. It's going to be buoyed, for lack of a better term. If Joe Biden fails to get this done or something close to it, like I, I think even if Joe Biden did 600 billion in the end, I think it would be considered a failure. He said two thousand dollar checks are going out. Now we're already talking about adding fourteen hundred to the six hundred to make it a total of two thousand. That's already a concession that I don't like to see. If Biden can't get this done and get it done in the next 10 to 14 days, it is going to be the first major failure of the Biden administration. Let's hope it doesn't happen. I, I remain cautiously optimistic that it will get done. I like the way Democrats are just saying it's one point nine trillion. That's what it is. Vote no if you want Republicans. I think many will end up voting for it. Let's talk about those tens of millions of dollars that Donald Trump raised after the election and before January 6th meant to fight voter fraud in the courts and meant to support the Republican incumbent senators in Georgia, both of whom lost. Donald Trump spent none of that money on the things he claimed he was raising the money for. And of course, anybody who looked at the fine print, as we did, would have predicted exactly this. Seventy six million dollars Donald Trump raised for what ultimately was a slush fund.
claiming I need the money to challenge the results of the election. I need the money to make court filings. I need the money to help Republicans win in Georgia so that Republicans maintain control of the Senate. But through the end of 2020, not a dime was spent on those causes. Maybe we don't yet have reporting for a Q1 spending. Maybe in those first five days of January, Trump spent some of the 76 million on the things he promised to spend it on. I doubt it. He uh, a, a, a Republican familiar with the fundraising fundraising operation said, quote, he put nothing back. He didn't care. He put all this money in the bank for his own legal fights. He never cared about Georgia's races. But not only that, he didn't even spend the money on vote challenges. And if you recall, back when Trump was doing this, we showed you the fine print, which said uh, depending on which fundraising scheme we were talking about, 50 percent or even more of every dollar raised could go towards the Trump campaign general fund to pay off Trump's campaign debt. He said it. I mean, listen, he said it in a deceptive way in the fine print, sort of like a software end user agreement that's 30 pages long that nobody reads. Right. I mean, but he did do it and we were reporting it and it was reported so completely predictable that this is exactly what was going to happen. Uh, Jason Miller was asked what what happened, Jason? Where, where did the money go? And Jason Miller so far has not responded for comment. Now, the, the truth is Trump may well need this money for his own legal defense. And I think it's absolutely disgusting that he's taking advantage of his own supporters who he clearly never cared about his people. But ultimately, it's scammers and more scammers and more scammers taking advantage of people who are often scammers in their own ways, people who were delighted to be bamboozled by Trump in 2016 and wanted to continue believing that Trump was somehow going to figure out something, even though he lost the election. This was the right. These were the perfect marks to be bamboozled in this way. And uh, ultimately, the money is going to the Save America Leadership Committee of Trump. This is nothing more than a slush fund where the money can be used for just about anything Trump wants. If Trump wants to pay himself a salary out of this money, he could do it. And um, it is unbelievable that these folks fell for it hook, line and sinker, despite the fact that we were widely reporting that this is exactly what was going on now. When you say these people fell victims to a scam and, and we should feel bad for them, I don't know about that. Um, you know, it, it, it is these folks who say oh, we don't need a nanny state government. We don't need the government protecting everybody from everything all the time. These are adults in the end. These are adults who presumably voted for Trump in 2016 and or 2020. These are adults who, despite the fact that there was no evidence, they fell for the idea that Trump actually won and Joe Biden didn't. They fell for I mean, look at look at everything that they believed at some point. Do they have any responsibility themselves to figure out what's true. They fell for the lie that donating to Trump might actually change the results of an election, even though the election, everything was happening on schedule. There were they said, oh, uh, December 14th is going to be delayed. And it wasn't. And then December, what was it? You know, January 6th was going to be delayed and the riots delayed it by a couple of hours. And it wasn't. And then the inauguration's not going. And it did. They fell for it all. Do they really deserve now to be bailed out 
from the fact that they were scammed, not according to their own political philosophy, which is no nanny state government, none of this stuff. So everybody but his cult knew this would happen. They are uh, they, they it's hard to even call them suckers because they were so willing. Uh, I, I don't want to call it Stockholm syndrome. I, I don't know what to call it, but um, they I, I have a hard time now uh, feeling as though they need to be uh, bailed out in some way because Trump put it at the bottom of the emails. It's how Trump governed. This was the uh, administration, the scam administration from day one. Uh, and these people got exactly what they voted for, which is Trump ending up with, I believe it's the 76 million. I think it's 45 million in some kind of joint rate fundraising account. And then the other 31 million in that uh, uh, defend America, save America thing that Trump himself controls. So, uh, you know, tr Trump is going to do fine financially, very clearly. Uh, a lot of those folks who donated money that they probably couldn't even really afford to donate uh, may now have serious financial troubles, but they have only Trump and their own ignorance to thank for that. Later, by the way, we will talk about other uh, other scams that continue to fester related to this administration. But the question I have for you, I want to hear from you on Twitter where you can find me at D Pacman. Should we feel bad for these people who were swindled by Trump's fundraising? to the point that somebody should bail them out. I believe the answer is no. I'm willing to hear other ideas. Find me on Twitter at dpacman. The David Pakman Show at davidpacman.com. One of our sponsors is Sunset Lake CBD, a farmer owned company shipping super quality CBD directly from their farm to your door. They cut out the middleman, which saves you money and gets you the freshest possible product, which includes tinctures, flour, gummies, skin topicals, even CBD coffee, which I've really enjoyed. The whole team loves Sunset Lake CBD, especially their CBD oil and the gummies. We always say send us more. Every time we run out, CBD is reported as being useful for relieving stress, pain, inflammation. Some people use it before bed to help with sleep. And Sunset Lake is where you want to get your CBD because they pay employees a living wage. Their farm is sustainable. And of course, because they support progressive shows like ours, they're giving David Pakman show listeners 20 percent off when you go to davidpakmancom slash CBD and use the coupon code Pacman. That's coupon code P-A-K-M-A-N. You can find the URL in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors today is Helix Sleep, and it's a sponsor I'm thrilled about because I sleep on a Helix mattress at home and it's just the perfect mattress. One of the best things about Helix is you don't have to guess which mattress do I need, which one will be good for me. You take their famous sleep quiz on their website. You tell them your body type your sleeping position, your back pain issues you might have, and they will pair you with a mattress that will be perfect for you. I took the sleep quiz. The mattress they suggested was exactly what I needed. I often get too hot at night. The mattress keeps me cool. It's not too soft. It's not too firm. The texture is right. And I've just been getting way better sleep. You only buy a mattress every decade or so. Don't get stuck with something that's not perfect for you. And all Helix mattresses come with a 10 year warranty and they'll even come to your house and pick it up within 100 days if you don't love it. But I think you will. 
all of my viewers will get up to $200 off your order and you'll get two super premium pillows for free when you go to helixsleep.com/pacman that's h e l i x sleep.com/pacman you can also find the link in the podcast notes for this episode The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. Remember that our program depends on funding from folks like you through memberships, which you can sign up for at joinpakman.com. It's quick, it's easy. Almost every penny comes directly to the David Pakman Show. We're paying just 2% to swipe credit and debit cards. Grab a membership at joinpakman.com. The coupon code is available. That coupon code is better 21. We look at a lot of loony clips on this program, so it really takes a lot for me to say this. I have for you today one of the most outrageous clips I've seen in years, and it is from right wing propaganda channel Newsmax, and it involves the My Pillow guy, Mike Lindell. Now, I won't do a big lead up, but I want to make sure we're all on the same page. If you've been following politics for the last year, you might know that my pillow is a company that sells pillows on right wing media, I believe even pajamas as well. And the founder, Mike Lindell, is a right wing religious nut who thinks Donald Trump was or is a gift from God to the American people. Lindell somehow, because this country is so backwards, ended up in a position of proximity to power. He was actually close to Donald Trump. He was advising Trump about how to possibly stay in power despite having lost the election to Joe Biden. Mike Lindell appeared on Newsmax yesterday and started spouting off about Dominion voting systems, which didn't go well because Newsmax, like many other networks and Rudy Giuliani and others, Newsmax has been threatened by Dominion with a lawsuit if they keep repeating these uh, false claims about Dominion voting systems. So the hosts, when Mike Lindell brings up Dominion voting, the hosts try to change topics and it doesn't go well. Mike Lindell just keeps talking. It culminated with one of the hosts walking off the set. But first, when Mike Lindell brings up a Dominion, the host starts saying we can't verify any of this, clearly trying to avoid a lawsuit. But Mike Lindell just keeps going. So well, what happened? What what happened with your Twitter account and the uh, company page? Well, first mine was taken down because we have all the election fraud with these Dominion machines. We have a hundred percent proof. And then I, when they took it down um, uh, about my, three weeks my, ago, my, and then I put it back up. My personal, I put a. It was a Mike. Thing uh, thank you very much, Mike. Mike, I, you're talking about machines uh, that that we at Newsmax have not been able to verify any of uh, those kinds of allegations. We just want to let people know that there's nothing substantive that we've seen. And let me read you something there. While there were some clear evidence of some cases of vote fraud and election irregularities, the election results in every state were certified, and Newsmax accepts the results as legal and final. The courts have also supported that view. So, okay, so he gets that on the record, but Mike Lindell doesn't care. He will not be dissuaded from talking about Dominion voting systems. 
Let's keep going. And it just continues to escalate. We wanted to talk to you about canceling culture, if you will. We don't want to relitigate the allegations that you're making, Mike, because we understand where you are. So let me ask you this. Do you think that this should be temporary because it appears to be permanent? Could you make an argument that it is temporary? What? Could you make an argument that this could be a temporary banning rather than permanent? No, I want it to be a permanent because you know what? They did this because I'm revealing all the evidence on Friday of all the election fraud with these machines. So I'm sorry if you think it's not real. Can I ask our producers, can we uh, get out of here, please? Uh, I I don't want to have to keep going over this. We at Newsmax have not been able to verify any of those allegations. So absolute and complete chaos. One of the funniest news clips that I've seen. And here in this last segment, if you're listening, you might hear noise as the host walks off. If you're watching, you will see the host just walk right off the set. Mike, hold on a second. Everybody hold on a second. Mike, Mike, hold on one second. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about just what is happening overall in terms of censorship of cancel out my company and myself in this country is cancel culture. So by that point, (laughs) by that point, one of the hosts is just gone. Uh, uh, Outrageous and amazing. And the real question is, why do they keep having Mike Lindell on at all? Uh, They know that this is Lindell's shtick. Newsmax sees the billion dollar lawsuits by Dominion against Rudy Giuliani and others. They got a threat letter themselves saying stop these defamatory claims. And they decided as a company, hell no, we can't afford that. So then why do you have Mike Lindell on when you know that that's what he's been talking about for months now? And I want to be really, really clear. This is not about ethics. Newsmax is depraved and horrible. They are willing to spread anything. And in fact, for a month or or six weeks after the November election, they welcomed every one of these lunatics on. Sidney Powell, Rudy, you know, whoever to talk about Dominion, to talk about voter fraud, massive voter dumps, all of this different stuff. This is not about ethics. It's about money. I don't think I've ever seen uh, defamation claims and warnings used as effectively as we've seen Dominion use them in response to right wing media. They have right wing media hosts literally walking away when the topic of Dominion voting machines is brought up they're they're asking producers cut his mic because they've so effectively been uh, uh, notified. We will sue you if you keep allowing this stuff on the air. And, and I think the most important takeaway is there's a few there's a few important takeaways here. Takeaway number one, how insane is this country that the my pillow guy became close to the president because of his ideas about how to steal an election. And as I've said before, Trump saying I'm running wouldn't have done the damage it did were not the American electorate or at least part of it so susceptible to a con an obvious con man like Donald Trump. In the same way, Mike Lindell wanting to be an advisor to the president would be meaningless if we didn't have a president who thought it was a good idea. And um, that that's one takeaway. The other is I've said it, but I want to say it again. Newsmax is not concerned with the truth all of a sudden, and that's why they're saying to Mike Lindell, don't talk about Dominion. They're scared of the lawsuit. They knew the truth from day one, which was Joe Biden won the election. That's it. 
Uh, but they kept airing this crap because it got them clicks. But now the risk of a billion dollar lawsuit is too big for the revenue they were probably making on YouTube or wherever else by repeating this stuff. So an immensely compelling clip to watch and think about. I mean, if what you're saying is too outrageous for Newsmax to air, you know it's bad and you know that you're off the deep end. Hey, this is just unbelievable. The pro Trump election fraud lawyer Lynn Wood is under investigation for possibly voting illegally himself. This is being reported by WSB TV in Atlanta. Uh, Lynn Wood, a lawyer, filed lawsuits to try to steal the election for Trump, held rallies to try to steal the election for Trump, claimed people voted illegally in the 2020 presidential election. And WSB TV in Atlanta, Georgia, can now report that the state is investigating Lynn Wood for potentially having voted illegally in the state of Georgia. Reporter Justin Gray was able to confirm yesterday that the Georgia Secretary of State is looking into whether Lynn Wood was even eligible to vote in the state of Georgia and whether he actually broke the law when he voted and uh, potentially wrongly claimed to be a Georgia resident. Uh, Lynn Wood said it's 1776 in America and we're not going to let them take our freedom. That freedom being that he claimed Trump was the rightful winner of the election and people voted illegally for Joe Biden or the numbers were messed with or the machines were messed with or whatever. But he himself, he himself, Lynn Wood, may have voted illegally, of course, for Donald Trump in the state of Georgia. Um, the incredible detail here is that sources at the Georgia Secretary of State's office say the reason they're even investigating Linwood is that Linwood emailed their office and said, I moved to South Carolina. He admitted to them, quote, I have been domiciled in South Carolina for several months after purchasing property in the state in April. Presumably, the reason Lynn Wood was telling this to the Georgia Secretary of State was related to taxes. You want to when you change states, uh, I don't I don't even know the tax rates in Georgia and in South Carolina, but very often when you change states and you go to a lower tax state, or at least you want to avoid having to file taxes in two states, even if the tax rates are similar, you want to make sure that the state you've left knows you have severed your relationship with them. When people move from New York to Florida, this is a whole legal and accounting thing where how do you demonstrate you really are no longer uh, responsible for any taxes in New York? So Lynn Wood said, I, I'm domiciled in South Carolina, presumably for tax purposes. And as a result of that, the secretary of state in Georgia is now looking at whether he even should have been legally allowed to vote in Georgia in November. So this is all uh, yeah, maybe Lynn Wood was right after all, and people did vote illegally and he meant himself. Maybe he really did have that personal knowledge because it was he himself who actually did it. And while they're at it, check Trump's voting as well. Moving from New York to Florida, voting by mail. It's all very, very suspicious, right? Endless projection from these people. It never, ever, ever ends. And there is no there is no hypocrisy too great. There is no instance of protect of projection that goes beyond what these people are capable of. 
And we've talked before about how for all the talk about voter fraud, the people getting caught are either Republicans doing it or Republicans trying to, quote, test the system to show how easy it is to do. And it turns out it's not actually that easy because they keep getting caught. We'll follow the investigation into Lynn Wood and whether he did or didn't vote illegally. But it is um, it's uh, is it fair to call it a comedy of errors? I don't know that these are really errors. These really do seem like fraudsters. Uh, Maybe we need a different term for it. We'll have more on this on the David Pakman Show Instagram page. Make sure you're following us at David Pakman Show on Instagram. While you're there, follow me on Instagram at david.pakman. The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. One of our sponsors today is Magic Spoon. The reason I'm such a fan of Magic Spoon is they allow me to enjoy the delicious breakfast cereals I loved as a kid without all the sugar and without the unhealthy ingredients, because Magic Spoon makes breakfast cereal that you really can't tell apart from those tasty sugary cereals that we all know. But each serving of Magic Spoon has no sugar three net carbs and 11 grams of protein. So it's perfect for someone on a low carb keto diet. Just anybody trying to eat healthier and cut back on the sugar. You can choose from cocoa, frosted, fruity, cinnamon, blueberry or peanut butter. They all taste amazing. And Magic Spoon now lets you create your own customized variety pack with the flavors you choose. They really do stand by their product and will refund 100% of your money if you don't love it. No questions asked. Go to magicspoon.com/pacman to build your own custom variety box today and be sure to use promo code pacman to get free shipping. The link is in the podcast notes. A lot of the shirts you see me wearing on YouTube are actually made by a company called Teddy Stratford. I love these shirts, and that's why I asked them to be a sponsor of the show. It really is the most innovative shirt you can buy because most slim fit button up shirts give you this weird stretched out gap in the chest where the buttons are. You don't get that with the Teddy Stratford shirts because all of their shirts come with a patented zipper hidden beneath the buttons, which prevents the chest from stretching apart like that. But most importantly, just overall, it makes the shirt fit much better and look better. The carefully designed shirt is also cut in a way that improves the look of your upper body physique. It has a really nice, elegant, close fit that other shirts don't really give you. It also has a specially designed collar that won't fall down and lay flat, which I love. The difference all around with these shirts really is noticeable. Go check them out at davidpackman.com slash Teddy. The link is in the podcast notes and they'll give you 15 percent off your first order. If you use the coupon code Pacman at checkout, that's P-A-K-M-A-N. Welcome back to The David Pacman Show. We've been wondering whether Republicans in the House of Representatives and in the Senate are ever going to denounce these outrageous new members of Congress. We're talking about people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, Madison Cawthorn, or are Republicans going to be supportive of these new radicals 
or are establishment Republicans going to avoid talking about them altogether? And we're going to look through two examples today. We have our first example, and it's a really good one. This is Steve Scalise. Steve Scalise is a Republican congressman, uh, also the House Minority Whip. Uh, and he was on Fox News yesterday morning and he was asked about comments made by Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. And somehow he was able to abort that question and talk about Joe Biden, China and carbon. I, it sounds like this couldn't possibly happen, but it's exactly what happened. Let's take a look at the video clip. Marjorie Taylor Greene, the freshman congresswoman from Georgia, uh, under some fire for past comments. I'm going to be meeting with uh, majority, minority leader Kevin McCarthy later. And Liz Cheney is going to have to talk to some of her members uh, on the Republican side who would like to see her um, removed from her leadership position because of supporting impeachment and voting for that. Um, based on your conversations, are more of your members supportive of Greene or Cheney? Well, first of all, I've rejected those statements by Marjorie. And, you know, I think uh, we're going to be talking tomorrow in conference. We're going to have an in-person meeting, uh, you know, in, in the Capitol where we're going to be talking through a lot of these issues internally. Uh, look, first of all, we're very united in our opposition to the devastating economic hits that President Biden has been doing in his first two weeks. The Paris Accord we haven't even talked about will crush American manufacturing and send it to China, where they emit five times more carbon to make things like steel that Pennsylvania yeah. will not be able to make if they get that. So we're going to be talking about all those things. Steve Scalise is a horrible ideologue, but he's also somewhat of a realist. And he does seem to realize that Marjorie Taylor Greene is bonkers. I mean, just cuckoo. But he still manages to pivot on a question about Marjorie Taylor Greene and talk about Chinese carbon and Joe Biden. And it's just out of this world. What do you think about Marjorie Taylor Greene? He talks about carbon and there's a difficulty here for Republicans because until it's clear otherwise, they have to assume that the types of people who support Marjorie Taylor Greene are an important part of the electorate to the Republican Party. They have to assume until it's proven otherwise that a lot of the supporters and voters of Marjorie Taylor Greene all are, are also the types of people that uh, people like Steve Scalise need to continue uh, um, getting support from. And I'm not saying that Scalise would otherwise denounce Marjorie Taylor Greene, but he must be aware of the fact that denouncing her straight up might not play well with the portion of the voters that he and his party need. And in the end, failure to act is a form of consent. Um, and all of these Republicans who no doubt will fail to do a damn thing about these outrageous radicals that got voted in during the last election are complicit, but they are trying to sort of thread a needle to avoid consequences as much as possible for the Republican Party and for themselves. That's all they're doing. You know, we talked earlier about Newsmax now doesn't want anybody talking about Dominion voting systems, and they tried to kick off my pillow guy, Mike Lindell, when he wanted to talk about Dominion voting systems. Newsmax has not all of a sudden found uh, uh, decided that the, the truth is important. Newsmax has not all of a sudden decided that journal journalistic ethics matter to them. These things are financial, pragmatic calculations, and it's the exact same thing with with Steve Scalise. And case in point, the further we get from January 6th without accountability, the more and more that Republicans like Steve Scalise are going to be able to just opt out of condemning the people who uh, were most responsible in the Republican Party for inciting that riot, which certainly includes Donald Trump at the top of the party. 
but uh, increasingly also includes people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert. You know, after the Access Hollywood tape, some of them claimed to be outraged, but then they weren't anymore. And then, you know, just months ago when Kelly Leffler was asked about that tape, she was able to get away with saying, I don't even know what you're talking about. I've never seen that tape. I don't know a thing about it. And um, the the sort of last thing before we move on to the next clip here is we've been looking at a lot of interviews over the last few days that Republicans have given on CNN, Fox News, Newsmax, OAN, et cetera. Notice the complete lack of policy platform in the Republican Party right now. Yeah, I know that that's been the case for a while in some bigger picture sense that it's been a lot about just prevent Democrats from doing stuff. But right now there is a completely uh, they're, they're they're not even pretending to care about policy. They say Joe Biden is doing too many executive orders. They say, where are we going to get the money for all of this stuff that Joe Biden wants to do with the covid stimulus one point nine trillion dollar package? And they say, why hasn't Joe Biden more quickly dealt with the virus, even though he's only been in office for two weeks? There is a they aren't even pretending to have actual policy proposals of any kind, with the exception of that pathetically small stimulus package that they are proposing as an alternative to Joe Biden's. It's about being anti Biden. It's about being anti-Democrats and it's about um, a, a PR essentially at this point. And if they had fought the virus with half the conviction that they've been using over the last 14 days to fight Joe Biden, we would be much better off in this country. We would have had far fewer covid deaths in this country. But sadly, that's never been their priority. Let's now look at another example of a Republican confronted with the comments of Marjorie Taylor Greene. OK, so. We already looked at Steve Scalise turning a question about Marjorie Taylor Greene's outrageous comments into an answer about China, Joe Biden and carbon. Let's now go to our second example of the day. This is Republican Congresswoman Nancy Mace asked on Fox News about the ludicrous things that Marjorie Taylor Greene has said. Remember, we've uh, uh, uncovered videos of Marjorie Taylor Greene talking about Jewish space lasers as the cause for California wildfires. Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, uh, being a 9-11 denier. Marjorie Taylor Greene um, uh, talking about political violence as a good thing, as something that that needs to be done on and on and on. Republicans are being asked to comment. Nancy Mace is a Republican congresswoman from South Carolina. Some believed not me, but some believed that she was a more moderate, rational voice in the Republican Party. She went on Fox News yesterday. She was asked about Marjorie Taylor Greene's comments, and she actually to her credit, she seemed to concede that Marjorie Taylor Greene is crazy, but she played the both sides game saying there are crazy people on both sides and then gave a number of false equivalencies. So let's take a look. But there are crazies on both sides of the aisle. Uh, we've seen that, um, you know, it's not just Republicans that have our own issues. Democrats have them, too. We've seen Maxine Waters uh, tell folks to go and threaten and, and harm members of the Trump administration. Right. Um, we've seen crazies on both sides of the aisle. Um, we do have to, I think, address some of these issues. But, you know, some of these things and I'm learning about them today and this week, too, were said before she was elected and Georgia voters still elected her. Um, just a few years ago, we saw a Democrat, another Democrat from Georgia, uh, Cynthia McKinney uh, assault a Capitol Hill police officer and nothing was done after that either. So we've got to look at precedent. We've yeah. got to have this conversation. We have to address it. And if we do a, a better job of holding ourselves accountable, we can also hold the left accountable as well. We, we have to have that moral authority. Well, and that means addressing some of these situations. 
So listen, if you if you need me to find something positive about that, she does seem to be saying that Marjorie Taylor Greene is crazy. She is drawing false equivalencies to Maxine Waters, though, and also saying this stuff was said before Marjorie Greene was elected is, is not particularly relevant. This is gaslighting. This is what about ism two sides stuff. And it's a complete farce. And at least she's admitting Marjorie Taylor Greene is crazy. But Maxine Waters never followed around an 18 year old kid that was at a school during a school shooting, accusing that kid of wanting to take her guns away, as Marjorie Taylor Greene did to David Hogg. Maxine Waters never said that there were wildfires started by, I don't know, Catholic space lasers or anything like that. And by the way, even if these examples from the other side were equivalent, they're in the past and they have nothing to do with Nancy Mace and Republicans now dealing with Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is in her own party at this point in time. Nancy Mace uh, actually has a sort of clever approach to a lot of these interviews. I've seen other interviews where when Nancy Mace is asked what you would think are questions she really has to answer, she'll sort of fast talk through a bunch of distortions and lies. It's sort of a gish gallop technique. And very often anchors or interviewers even either don't have the wherewithal or, or skill to point it out or just don't have the time because a lot of these segments last you know, four minutes. It's hard to refute six lies in four minutes. And uh, Nancy Mace used very similar talking points on CNN over the weekend. They are terrible talking points, but she is getting away with them. And uh, as, as I said before, I am disgusted that Republicans, even with these people, aren't just straight up calling them out and saying there's no room for this insanity in the Republican Party. Obviously, it's disappointing they're not doing that. I'm not surprised that they're not doing it. But there is a political calculation happening here where, to some degree, I think they believe the further they get from January 6th, the further they get from Trump being in office, the more they can kind of just shut their mouths about these people and claim that they're about legislation and they're about stopping socialism and government takeovers of health care and uh, reducing the deficit, all that stuff that they pretend to care about and just sort of not comment on people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, Madison Cawthorn and others. So ultimately, I believe that the test as to whether these radical new members of Congress will become a significant part of the Republican Party will be whether they get reelected in 2022. Uh, Democrats do have a, a path to expelling these folks from committee assignments, but it would take Republicans to really be able to get them out of the House of Representatives. I don't expect it to happen. We talked on the bonus show yesterday about how there have only been five expulsions in the history of the House. Three of them were in the 1800s against members who were straight up supporting the Confederacy. The other two were in the 20th century. Uh, was one of them in the 21st? The other two were in the modern political era, and they were for members of Congress who had actually been convicted of crimes. And so I am not optimistic at all that we are going to see these folks expelled. Of course, it says a lot about the Republican Party that they're unwilling to really take a stand against them, but that's not particularly surprising to me. I'd be shocked if it were to you if you've been paying attention to what has happened to the Republican Party. Um, e even casually over the last few years. We will take a quick break. Much more coming up in just moments. The David Pakman Show at DavidPakman.com.
if you are anything like me, you probably aren't thrilled with the idea of going into a doctor's office right now. And thankfully, there is a practical and affordable way to take control of your health and get personalized care from the comfort of your home. It's a service called Steady MD. They're one of our sponsors. You take a quiz, you get matched with a licensed primary care physician who understands your health needs. You have a one hour video call with your new doctor. You establish a meaningful relationship with them. And after that, your doctor is available to you anytime by text, phone or video chat. This is not a random doctor on call. Each doctor at Steady MD has a limited number of patients, so they actually have time to listen to you. You get the personal attention that you deserve. They can do almost everything an in-person doctor can do, perform medical evaluations, talk to you about health concerns, send prescriptions to your home or local pharmacy and anything they can't do online. They'll quickly set you up with an in-person provider to do things like blood tests. As an example, you don't need insurance. It's only ninety nine bucks a month with no other fees or copays. There are so many practical advantages to using steady MD for primary care. And it's also so much more affordable. Go to steadymd.com slash Pacman to take the free quiz and see which doctor is right for you. I took their quiz. They matched me with a doctor who specializes in my particular health needs. The doctor they gave me is a really perfect fit for me. Again, that's steadymd.com slash Pacman. There's no risk, no commitment to get started. That's S T E A D Y M D dot com forward slash P A K M A N. One of our sponsors today is Helix Sleep, and it's a sponsor I'm thrilled about because I sleep on a Helix mattress at home, and it's just the perfect mattress. One of the best things about Helix is you don't have to guess which mattress do I need, which one will be good for me. You take their famous sleep quiz on their website, you tell them your body type your sleeping position, your back pain issues you might have, and they will pair you with a mattress that will be perfect for you. I took the sleep quiz. The mattress they suggested was exactly what I needed. I often get too hot at night. The mattress keeps me cool. It's not too soft. It's not too firm. The texture is right. And I've just been getting way better sleep. You only buy a mattress every decade or so. Don't get stuck with something that's not perfect for you. And all Helix mattresses come with a 10 year warranty and they'll even come to your house and pick it up within 100 days if you don't love it. But I think you will. All of my viewers will get up to two hundred dollars off your order and you'll get two super premium pillows for free when you go to Helix sleep dot com slash Pacman. That's H E L I X sleep dot com forward slash P A K M A N. You can also find the link in the podcast notes for this episode. The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. Donald Trump has thankfully been missing from the public eye almost completely since leaving office 14 days ago today. And by the way, two weeks already. Joe Biden has been president. It doesn't feel like it. It feels like he was just sworn in yesterday, but it's been two weeks. 
Trump's been missing, but his son, Eric Trump, is quickly challenging his dad for the most humiliating and cartoonishly farcical interviews. I'm not totally clear on what Eric Trump is trying to accomplish by doing interviews, but he was interviewed last night on the Sean Hannity Fox News propaganda program. What he did achieve was creating a caricature of the sycophantic brown nosing defender of Donald Trump, and in particular, a son who is desperate for the approval of his father that he never really seems to have gotten. It's sad in a way. Let's look at some clips. These are painful to watch. In this first clip, Eric Trump rewrites history and says there has never been a more beloved political figure than Donald Trump. <laughs> I know in the history of America. Uh, they know he did a great job for this nation. They know that there's never been a more beloved political figure in our country's history. There are 75 million Americans who would follow him to the end of Earth. I mean, they, they love the man. They love what he stands for. It's not just that Trump wasn't the most beloved political figure. There has been no president in the modern political era that was less popular than Donald Trump. Donald Trump, not once during his entire presidency, achieved a 50 percent approval rating in the Gallup daily tracking poll. That's never been the case for any president in the history of modern polling. Trump and Melania had the lowest average approvals of any president and first lady for as long as polling has been done. And Eric Trump, I mean, it's just opposite. Everything is, you know, they wrongly talk about Orwellian uh, and say things are Orwellian when they're really not Orwellian. Uh, double speak saying the opposite of what is, is true actually is something that played a role in George Orwell's 1984. Eric Trump says this is the most beloved president in history, uh, most never mind president. He says the most beloved political figure in history, and he is the least popular president in history about whom we have data. Then Sean Hannity tees up a softball for Eric Trump about how their victims the you know Melania is a victim, Eric Trump, Ivanka, Donald Trump, they're, they're, all, they're all treated so terribly. And Eric Trump still can't put together a coherent answer. Um, but there's been nothing but from the day your father and Melania Trump came down the escalator at Trump Tower. It's been never ending harassment for your dad, your you, your family, Don Jr., Ivanka, every baron, even Melania, everybody. And it continues now. We know the outcome of this latest charade. I played the double standard, and I'm just curious, as you hear the remarks of Democrats and compare them to the remarks of your dad, what your thoughts are. Listen, Sean, I was there, you know, 20 minutes after election. 20 minutes after election day on, in you know, 2016, it was a beautiful day. I remember the Washington Post writing that story, which is this is the, you know, this is the minute that impeachment begins and they tried and they tried to get him with the Russia hoax and they tried to get him with Ukraine and they tried to take down Kavanaugh and they tried to get him again and they tried to manufacture everything you know under the sun against my father against all of us they do it every single day they continue to do it ah uh, the poor trump family Wah! have you ever seen a more privileged set of people portray themselves as bigger victims and martyrs than this family. Josh Hawley being on Fox News every other day, speaking to a national audience about how he's been silenced. Yeah, that's funny. This is even crazier. And they claim to be tough. 
They don't want snowflakes, all of this nonsense. And they are the thinnest skinned family who have spent four, I mean, really five years now obsessed with the idea that nobody's been treat, been treated worse than them. There's been no bigger victims in America, in the world than the Trump family, the most powerful person in the world for four years and his family want you to think they are the victims of everything, of the media, of the Democrats, of whatever. It's unbelievable. Last clip, Eric Trump says that the country is soon going to miss Donald Trump. And, and honestly, I think people are going to miss Donald Trump really quickly. I think they're going to miss him really, really quickly because some of these policies that they're enacting, these executive orders, you know, 40, 40 in the first day um, are madness, Sean. They're just madness. Well, you know, it's it's interesting. again, Trump left office with the lowest approval of his presidency. He was the least popular president in the history of the modern political era. But in addition, Eric is just lying on the facts. And this is a good opportunity to talk about the executive orders. Eric there said that Joe Biden signed 40 executive orders on his first day in office. This is not true. The list of executive orders is public. Any one of you can find it. It's out there on January 20th. Joe Biden signed nine executive orders, nine, not 40. You might like those executive orders. You might not. You might want to reform the executive order system. But he didn't sign 40 executive orders on day one. He signed nine on the second day of his presidency. Joe Biden signed eight executive orders. Eric Trump says it was 40 on day one. Actually, it was 17 over two days. And in total, including the executive orders Joe Biden signed yesterday on immigration, Joe Biden has signed 28 executive orders in 14 days, not 40. You can debate executive orders. You can debate their contents. You can debate their merits. You can debate what should and shouldn't be done via executive order. Is there something damaging to the political system, to the fact that every president feels the need to use executive orders to undo what their predecessor did? All valuable debates. But if you start with a lie that Joe Biden signed 40 on day one when he really signed nine, the debate is worthless because you're starting with a lie. Truly a pathetic figure in American politics. And, and I, that could apply to a lot of people. I'm talking about Eric Trump, and I'm wondering, is he going to keep doing this for the next two years, for the next four years, appearing on Fox News to talk about how everybody misses his dad and how terrible Joe Biden is? And I think it's still a question mark. It's looking like Donald Trump is just sort of disappearing. We've not heard from him for two weeks. When it comes to Eric Trump, Don Jr. has been going absolutely crazy on Twitter for the last two weeks. There's rumor or the idea that maybe Eric Trump's wife, Lara Trump, plans to run for senator in North Carolina. Still a question mark as to whether these characters are going to try to uh, keep playing a role in American politics. Let's hope they don't. And again, the entire Eric Trump thing, tr Eric Trump's entire presence to me reeks of a son desperate for their father's approval more than anything else. The Associated Press is reporting that dozens of former Bush administration officials, George W. Bush, are leaving the Republican Party because they feel it has become the Trump cult at this point in time. Uh, they are uh, claiming to be dismayed by the failures of the Republican Party, including Donald Trump and his false claims of election fraud, which these uh, dozens of officials claim is the catalyst for them leaving the Republican Party. 
Some served uh, pretty high up in the Bush administration. They said that they were hopeful that Trump losing would lead party leaders to immediately move on from Donald Trump. All unanimously denounced Trump's claims that the election was stolen. Of course, that didn't happen. Most Republican officials stuck with Trump and the officials that are now abandoning the Republican Party are saying they don't even recognize the party that they once uh, served uh, as employees of government. Some have formally left the Republican Party. Others are um, uh, moving over to being independents and uh, they have included uh, such statements as the Republican Party as it uh, as I knew it no longer exists. I'd call it the cult of Trump. That's Jimmy Gurulay, who was undersecretary of the Treasury for terrorism and financial intelligence in the Bush administration. Christopher Purcell, who worked for George W. Bush, said the number is growing every day of former Bush administration officials who are leaving the party or cutting ties with the party. Now, I have a few thoughts on this. First of all, these are not heroes, okay? They said nothing for a long time. If the truth is that they didn't like how Trump was operating, as evidenced by what happened after the November election, Trump operated the exact same way for the four years leading up to it. Trump operated the exact same way before he even joined uh, the uh, or uh, before he was elected, but after entering into the Republican primary. So, you know, they said nothing for a long time. I don't believe these Republican officials would be doing this if the insurrection had somehow succeeded. If Donald Trump, after talking about the election having been stolen, had actually figured out a way to steal it back, which was never going to happen. But if it did, I don't think these Republicans would be saying I'm leaving because it was wrong for Trump to steal the election. They would still have their mouths shut like they did for the four years that Donald Trump has pres been president. So the headline should be. Dozens of Bush administration officials are suddenly desperate to distance themselves from the fiasco that their movement has fueled and pumped up for decades. And this is the most important thing. When people like, you know, Mitt Romney say something uh, that makes nominal sense, and we say, wow, there, there's a voice of reason and, and whatnot, it is true that Mitt Romney's framework is completely different from that of Donald Trump. There's no question about it whatsoever. And uh, many of them may be sincere in their disdain for what Trumpism has turned the Republican Party into. But they all played a role in turning the Republican Party into that. This goes back to Reagan in the 80s, starting with the welfare queen stuff and appealing to this kind of anti intellectualism that runs rampant on, on the Republican side. It continued with Newt Gingrich uh, being Speaker of the House. In the early 1990s, I believe I believe he became speaker in 1994, um, which was the first midterm election under Bill Clinton and Republicans scaling up this sort of cartoonish um, uh, fact free opposition to what Bill Clinton at the time was offering. And of course, it exploded under the anti intellectualism of George W. Bush and on and on and on. So. It's fine for a lot of these people now to try to save their own skin by claiming to leave the party. They have every right to do it, whatever. And the the important takeaway is not only did they not do this while Trump was president, even though the arguments they made would apply during the presidency as well, they all gladly worked for administrations that are responsible 
for the conditions that led to a Republican Party where Trump could win a primary. Trump could never have won a primary on the Democratic side. There are differences between the Democratic and Republican parties. There's too many similarities in some cases, but there are important differences. The reason Trump was able to win the Republican primary relates to George W. Bush and everybody who served under him. It relates to uh, George H. W. Bush. It all of it relates to Newt Gingrich and, and Ronald Reagan. So, yeah, OK, they're trying to distance themselves, but uh, they they are a big part of why Trump even won the Republican primary in 2016. Now, there are also many Republicans still writing off the attempted insurrection. There, there are actually some people on the left as well writing off the insurrection, but many on the right still are. Right wing terrorism has escalated to the point that it almost led to uh, elected officials getting killed. And uh, they are now, for the most part, with Joe Biden in office, immediately going back to what about ism, debt and deficit, and uh, trying to uh, pretend as though the January 6th insurrection never happened. The, the, I, I hate to even bring this up, but um, look up Hitler's beer hall push and why Republicans now so quickly moving past what happened on January 6th is dangerous. There was this you know, laughable failed coup attempt by Hitler. Hitler was convicted of high treason, served nine months, and we know what happened later. Now, uh, I'm not saying Trump is Hitler. All I'm saying is it's scary to me how quickly Republicans are willing to move on and pretend it never happened. And it's scary to me that a lot of people think this is over while we have people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert and others in the Congress and most Republicans already pretending that the thing never went down on January 6th the way it did. I believe that a lot of this has just begun. I hope I'm wrong. I'm worried that I am right. We have a voicemail number. That number is two one nine two David P. There's a really great question brought up in today's voicemail. Take a listen to this. David, I was watching your show today and uh, or listening to your show, and there was that uh, interview with the gun rights activist and Marjorie Taylor Greene, and I was just wondering, because she started talking about socialists, um, why does everyone think that socialists are anti-gun when, you know, Marx and Lenin and Mao all wrote, you know, explicit, were explicitly pro-gun? Um, do they just, I mean, I know they're operating bad faith, but do they just fundamentally not have any idea, I guess, what socialism is? Or, I don't know. Yeah, this this is a this is a really excellent question. Um, there is this reflexive inclusion whenever people talk about socialists wrongly. And again, there's almost no socialist in positions of power in the United States. It's, it's a complete and total farce. But you will often hear about the socialists who want to disarm you. That is a completely uh, uh, non based in history claim. And there are lots of examples of this. If you look back at an 1850 speech written by Karl Marx and Engels, they say under no pretext should arms and ammunition be surrendered. Any attempt to disarm the workers must be frustrated by force if necessary. There are many socialist uh, uh, theorists who supported armed workers in part of their support of the proletariat, maintaining power, recognizing that maybe the gun would be a useful way for them to uh, gain power over the capitalists. Mao under Mao villages, factories, all sorts of different units, dis, uh, you know, discrete units were expected and encouraged to have armed militias that were self-organized and were they, they had weapons. 
um, under Lenin. Lenin wrote on disarmament where Lenin said an oppressed class which does not strive to learn to use arms to acquire arms only deserves to be treated like slaves. Lenin's perspective, as I understand it, is uh, having weapons prevents you from being treated like a slave by the capitalist, by the employer, by the owners of the means of production. So not only do they not. I mean, yes, the, the, if, if you're wondering, does the right understand X? The the answer is probably not. And not only do they misunderstand what socialism is and who is a socialist, they very casually and wrongly talk about anti gun socialists when historically there is much pro gun sentiment among some of the uh, most important and notable uh, socialist Marxist figures in history. But I, I, don't, I don't think they care. I don't think watching this clip is going to change their minds. They'll just keep repeating the same stuff on the bonus show today. We will talk about Jeff Bezos uh, planning to step down as Amazon CEO. We will talk about the Capitol rioters quickly selling each other out to try to lower their own possible prison sentences. And we will talk about Oregon decriminalizing possession of drugs. Huge step in Oregon. We will talk about the implications Oregon as someone's uh, someone someone I know says it. But I say Oregon, all of those stories and more on today's bonus show. Sign up at joinpacman.com to get instant access.